And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yo, yo. Welcome to another post-game edition of the Forum Club. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And I am joined by a special guest, one of the few two-time guests uh, on this season, uh, Jared Weiss, Boston Celtics reporter, beat writer, legend. Uh, Jared, how are you doing tonight? Thank you for getting my title correct. Um, I, uh, Jared I, paid me to say that. <laughs> I don't even remember being on the first time. I remember doing the Clips pod with you because we were together for that one uh, last season, which was probably like three years ago. But I don't even remember being on earlier this year. We we did we did after the 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 game um the the Caruso game where he got the the deflection that oh that's right yeah that was this year wow what a long year it's been it's like two months ago but yeah <laughs> that's like Jared, that's like dog years for me Jared and I also both have headaches right now so this is gonna be a fun podcast but <laughs> we uh, both have like full blown migraines. <laughs> <laughs> there, there well, that's was, how there, that's how terrible that game was. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there was a game tonight, and uh, the Celtics defeated the Lakers one twenty one to one thirteen. Uh, the Lakers were without Andre Drummond, who was a late scratch due to his right big toe contusion, uh, which Hilarious. Frank Vogel said before. <laughs> which Frank Vogel <laughs> said before the game, he re-injured in the Brooklyn game and played through in the New York and Charlotte games, but ultimately. Uh, there was some discomfort there and they decided to rest him. Uh, Dennis Schroeder only played 28 minutes in part because of the game, but uh, also has a uh, foot infection that almost, he, he was a game time decision, came down to the wire and, and he decided to play, but um, you know the Lakers were considering resting him as well. So the season of, of being banged up and uh, especially these last few weeks just continues for the Lakers. Marcus Gasol also dislocated his pinky uh, in, in this game and is questionable to play on Saturday. So, uh, which was a good keep, thing, apparently. Yeah. With he, the way he, he hit, played, he, he hit three threes after that, but, uh, <laughs> the, the hits keep like, I, I literally just said this on the last podcast that it, it's pretty insane that, um, of the Lakers 15 roster players, Ben McElmore is the, who's been on the team for less than two weeks is the only <laughs> guy who has not either been injured suspended or ejected w- w- within the last two weeks. And it's, it's pretty crazy. Like when you look like literally every single, uh, like 13 or 12 of the 15 guys have suffered injuries or already were injured. And then you had Montrezl Harrell get suspended two minutes into the Toronto game. And then THT, I mean, uh, get ejected. THT gets suspended because he stepped onto the floor during that altercation. And then he missed the next game. So it's just been for the Lakers, like, the lineup continuity has been, has been awful. And, um, you know, they, they just came off this nice four and three, seven game road trip, uh, and, and came back to the stable center with, with fans for the first time all season, there was 1,915 fans in attendance, uh, for the first time since March, 2020. 
And uh, they were playing their their rivals, the the Boston Celtics. And it, it was nice to kind of have that fan atmosphere. The Celtics came out, the, the fans were booing them. And um, it, it just felt like, you know, a, a Lakers-Celtics game that we've seen so many times before of, of just some of that animosity. But then that quickly dissipated with, with the start of this game where uh, I think Boston started 11-2. to and, and from there, it just wasn't really a game until the end. But um, what, what I, I guess stood out to you about this junkyard uh you know half zombie lakers team that that was kind of patched together uh with, with just guys who frankly probably shouldn't be playing but um like I, I guess what what were your thoughts from the team you saw a couple months ago to to right now with, with this version i mean this was this is another great historic chapter in the celtics lakers rivalry obviously <laughs> <laughs> well you i mean you know that i've been a tht guy since he was in high school and uh, I've long maintained that Alex Caruso is the greatest player in basketball history. So as far as I'm concerned, I was watching the best, the best players on the Lakers play tonight. Um, so I think, I think they can just run this team out. And the funny thing is, I guess maybe besides McKinney, everybody that played for the Lakers were rotation guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, just I, not. It, yeah. McLemore is going to get pushed out of the rotation. Uh, maybe Wes isn't going to be a core guy in a lot it's, of playoff matchups, but these are yeah, important it's, guys. It's rotation guys, but but not in the spots that they should be in. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I think LeBron and AD might get a little bit more offensive involvement <laughs> when they get back. Um, but I, I was, I, I thought the Lakers did pretty well for going up against one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now, and the Celtics, who I thought played really well in this game. I and mean, this was a really good game for Boston. Obviously, Jalen Brown had he actually up until he had to come back in the game because Ben McLemore was having a goat uh, evening. Jalen Brown had the greatest shooting night in Celtics history up until that point. He was 15 for 17. Nobody had ever hit. I think it was like the closest to that was Jojo White went 14 for 16. So this was basically the best night ever for a Celtic. And they still um, were close for most of this up until Jalen went on that crazy barrage at the end of the third quarter. So I think that's what you want to see out of this team. Cause obviously like we know that the no team gets better when it adds two players in the NBA than the Lakers do, right? Like when you can get LeBron and AD back, you go from being a equivalent to a 20 win team to the equivalent of like a 60 win team. So we know that the Lakers are going to be great and we know that they're going to be major contenders. And the big question is how good can that, supporting cast hold up around them and last year it went really well and from what i saw in this game i'm pretty comfortable thinking the lakers are probably going to be the best team in the west when they get fully healthy and it's it's worth noting that uh you know i think arguably the biggest development for the lakers from this game uh happened pregame where uh frank vogel said that anthony davis is nearing his return he has been cleared for full on-court activity that's uh, five on five, you know, wh- wh- whatever, it, uh, you know, whatever you, you, they want to use him on. Like he, he can do everything now and he could return as soon as next game, uh, you know, Saturday's game against Utah. Uh, Frank said it's unlikely that he returns in the Utah home and home, but it is possible. Uh, and, and more realis- realistic might be later in the week against uh, Dallas. So AD should be back within the next few games. And, and I, I think that's obviously a welcome sign for the Lakers. He hasn't played in over two months. Um, so that that you know, giving him that kind of nice one month ramp up uh, be, before the postseason is going to be huge for them, I think. And then LeBron should be back shortly after. But I want to get back to Jalen Brown because 
So he was he had 40 points on 17 of 20 shooting. And he actually shot 13 of 19 in the previous matchup, which means he's 30 of 39 against the Lakers this season. He has their number. I mean, that's 77% on, on basically 40 shots. Like, I, there's just something about this matchup where they, they just can't guard him. Yeah, I remember he was 15 for 17 before he had to come back in in jump time. And one of those misses was a half-court heave at the buzzer. So he basically yeah. had a perfect game. And, I mean, that's not a surprise, right? The Lakers don't really have a quick-footed six foot seven guy that can match up with him that well, unless I'm forgetting somebody obvious at the top of my head. But Mm-mm. I think KCP, he matches up pretty well against KCP. Kuzma doesn't have the foot speed for him. Matthews obviously doesn't. And then, you know, Caruso and THT just you know, aren't quite at the point that they can handle him. So unless LeBron is going to be taking him as the main defender, I, I think that Jalen, just the way that he's improved his playmaking, the, the, his, his reads are just so much better now, both in how he tries to find shot opportunities and the way that he's able to be able to spray it out to corner shooters and stuff like that. And his dribbles tightened up so much. So he, so Jalen has generally been someone that's really good at pulling up with somebody draped all over him and being able to shoot through it. He shoots through really tight contests all the time where the guy's fingertips just barely miss blocking the shot and he still buries it. He's really, uh, it's one of the amazing things of his career. That's one of the main reasons why he's turned into a big star is just because he is really one of the best guys in the league at shooting with tight contests. But now you're seeing his, in this game, his ability to try to find open space in the mid-range area or even get all the way to the rack has just gotten so much better where you need to have somebody that's able to pressure him and stay with them up at the point of attack. And I think that the Lakers just don't quite have a defender that has the physical attributes to match up well against them. And to me, the other guy that that was a key difference maker in this game, and I, I got to say, like I, I haven't seen much of him, so th- this was kind of an eye-opening night for me, but... Uh, Luke Cornette. Cornette. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Plus 17, uh, which is second best on the team behind Jalen, which is a ridiculous plus 36. I mean, like th- that big of a gap <laughs> is just, in, in, you know, it, it, you usually don't see that type of, of gap from like a, a number one to number two and like plus minus. But plus 36 for Jalen Brown, plus 17 for, for Luke Cornette. He had four blocks. I, I thought he really controlled the paint defensively. And, you know, just made the Lakers second guess. Like, I, I thought after the first couple of blocks, guys, you know, heard footsteps in the paint and started to just drive and kick. And, yeah, I mean, so I think, um, but but that's enough Celtics talk. I think wait, people hold on, hold on. Off this podcast. Wait, that, so, well, th- here's the Lakers tie in there. If you'll remember, there were uh, your two favorite reporters at The Athletic, Jovan Buhan, Jared Weiss, reported back after the trade deadline that, the Celtics were when they were getting Luke Cornette that they were potentially going to waive him if they were able to win the Andre Drummond sweepstakes. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think you, I don't know if you're a part of that one. So sorry, folks, Jovan doesn't deserve credit for that one, but Jovan and I later did the reporting on the Drummond thing where obviously the Lakers won that race. But I, I think the Celtics might've been better off having Cornette instead of Drummond with the way wow. he was Wow. Because I don't think they really need what Drummond brings to the table so much as that when they traded away Daniel Tice and they lost their stretch big, who was also a good passer out of the short roll, and Cornette's doing that pretty well. I mean, he went one for four tonight, but generally he's been a decent shooter and at least 
he's a guy that you can run those pick and pops. I mean, we saw how just Gasol popping backwards when he was setting those picks tonight that kept the Celtics offense spread out, defense spread out a little bit when Gasol was hitting those shots, and, it, and that was effective. And Cornette can do some of that. He's a good rim protector. He's a solid pick and roll defender. And uh, he had, I think he had like three dimes tonight. They were all pretty awesome. It was him catching the ball over his head on a lob to him and then just immediately spinning and hitting a shooter. And that's the kind of stuff that the Celtics really need. They've gotten a lot better since they got Rob Williams into their starting lineup because Rob Williams, among the many things he does really well, he's amazing at just rifling out these passes across the court to hit shooters. And so I, I don't, I mean, I'm not an Andre Drummond fan to begin with. I just, I hate the way that he plays the game and he's been like, I mean, he did put up some numbers against Brooklyn, but generally he still is continuing to be super inefficient. And he's just one of the messiest post players in the league, which is already something that teams don't really even need. But he is certainly an abundance of riches that will be beneficial to the Lakers. But I do think the Celtics might have, uh, it might have worked out for them. But on the other hand, they could have just cut Mo Wagner instead, who was, was terrible in this game. Like, real, like literally, his defense was so Former bad Laker that allowed the Lakers to get back in. Yeah, that's right. Let, let, let's, let's, get, let, let's get into that because yeah. um, so this game becomes a blowout uh, in, you know, the, the Celtics were up for you know, basically double digits for, for most of it. There was a couple of times the Lakers got it to like, you know, eight points or whatever. But for the most part, the Celtics were kind of in that sweet spot of, you know, 10 to 15 point lead. Uh, then up 12 going into the fourth. And within literally a minute and 14 seconds, the Celtics extend the lead. They go on an 8-0 run to extend it from 12 to 20 points. And that basically seals the game. The, the, the game's over. Uh, the Lakers go with their, their kind of closing group for another couple minutes. And then Frank Vogel starts pulling the, the starters around the 8-7 the minute mark and, and goes with this, you know, their third string guys who... Some of like, and, and including two two way guys in, in Costas Antetokounmpo and Devonte Kaycock, and um, it's just this ragtag group that uh, you know is we pretty much only see in like the last two three minutes of a blowout. Uh, but this just happened to be a blowout earlier, so they ended up playing the last seven minutes of the game. But improbably, the Lakers go; uh, <laughs> they're down one thirteen to eighty six at that point. They go on a twenty four to two run. To get it to one fifteen to one ten, the crowd is going wild. Uh, you know, the, the the crowd had actually not been as loud as I thought they were going to be. Uh, it was actually rather a, a unspectacular, you know, crowd performance in my opinion. Um, and and I, I think it's just maybe just you know everyone's wearing masks. It's it's a foreign environment. Everyone's kind of spaced out. Like I, I don't really know what kind of led to that. But during that stretch, you know. The Lakers bench was was standing the entire time. LeBron and AD were engaged. They're going crazy. The fans are going crazy. Um, and it's just like, <laughs> it's the Lakers third string versus the Celtics third string. And the Lakers third string is going wild. And then you see, as it gets down to, you know, 10 points, eight points, there's Jalen Brown heading back to the scores table to, to ruin his perfect night. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's uh, you know, Marcus Smart. Um, I forgot, was it Grant Williams who checked back in? Like, and it's just, I don't know, like it, it was hilarious to me. And, you know, the Lakers ended up losing. They, they didn't complete the comeback. Frank Vogel said he wished there was an extra minute or two on the game and, and that he, he thinks they might have been able to do it if that were oh, the case. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, and, and what I said and what I texted you after the game was, I got to give Brad Stevens a, a shout out because I feel like, 
coaches sometimes won't put their guys back in or they'll do it too late when like the game is tied or like maybe it's like a two point game or something because they don't want it's kind of it's embarrassing right like it's just it's embarrassing and um you know i i think for him to do that though with it down i think it was around the eight point mark that's when he put the, he's like okay we're putting our guys back in we're, we're not messing around and, and losing this game like i actually respect it i mean it, it was an embarrassing kind of ending for the celtics i mean they still got the w they, they won five in a row seven of eight but uh, I, I thought it, it was just that whole spectacle of the last five, six minutes was, was pretty funny. You know, it's funny is I think it only was at the eight point mark because the Lakers were scoring so fast that he didn't <laughs> yeah. even have a chance to stop it. I mean, that that uh, bucket with uh, it was a Kaycock that scored with like two fifteen mm-hmm. left to make it an eight point game. Mo Wagner was just completely like it looked like his brain shut off on that play. And it was just so bad that you knew. That's the way that Brad Stevens is going to get really pissed off if they hit a if they hit like a well contested three like that's one thing but to have a like completely blown defense defensive rotation to give the team a wide open dunk like that's that's the stuff that's going to get a smash clipboard or two so yeah I mean Stevens I'm sure probably was annoyed that he could only put them in uh, up eight he would have preferred it was up fifteen and they were they were safer because yeah if that if the Lakers had like two more minutes left they probably would have brought it back to a tie. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I know you're not the biggest Drummond fan, but I'm curious. You don't say for <laughs> for for an outsider. Where I'm going with this is that Marcus Sol had 18 points tonight, uh, seven to ten shooting, hit four threes, and I think since the Drummond acquisition and, and since it was basically you know re- reported by us uh, that that it was happening, um, Marcus Sol has been playing arguably his best basketball of the season. And tonight, like, what was kind of a weird night for him because this is one of the worst matchups in the league for him just because, you know, the Celtics have two all-world athletic wings who can go downhill and attack and finish over a seven-footer. So, and then, you know, even Kemba Walker was hitting some shots. Like, it's just not a great mark matchup. This is not, you know, one of his better matchups. But he still, you know, I thought was very effective offensively. Um, had some moments defensively, although definitely got torched, you know, several times. Um, and I, I just think the Lakers are in a really interesting spot because Frank Vogel has already come out and said Andre Drummond is the starter. Like that was basically a condition of him coming to the Lakers was that you know he was going to be the starter. Then you have Montrez Harrell, who's the reigning Sixth Man of the Year, and is a guy who I think you know clearly you know, kind of expects to play. Uh, I think that was part of the Lakers' promise in signing him as well. And then you have Marcus Sowell, who also was basically promised the starting spot and has had that ripped from him. And then, you know, not only that, but he's not even the backup. He's now relegated to the third string center who's collecting DNP CDs, except when Drummond misses time, now all of a sudden he's back in the starting lineup playing 20 plus minutes. Uh, and then that's before we even get into AD, who's their actual best center and played 60% of his minutes at center in the playoffs. Um, so 
And Marquis I mean, Flores, who they need to put in the And playoffs, Marquis Flores has played really well. well. And yeah. so let, let, let's take AD out and let's take Keith out um, because I, I do think both guys will see some some time at the five, especially in the postseason. But I, I think for the regular season, it's probably going to be this three-headed monster. Um, how do you see those three fitting in? And kind of like, would you because because I've been making the case that I think I get that, you know, part of signing Drummond was was he had to start. And, and that was just, you know, LeBron and AD wanted Drummond. Um, they're excited about it. Like, you know, it's just it, it is what it is, wh- whether you're a fan of him or not. Like, you know, he, he's 27. He's a two time all star. Yes, it's in the East. You know, yes, he has his flaws, but he's been, I would say, you know, a, a productive player for them in, in doing the things that they've asked him to do. The post scoring, you know, yes, it's been. I think he's in the third percentile in in post scoring. He's uh, that good. Yeah, it, it's been it's been pretty bad. But aside from like you know, so Dr- Drummond starting, I get whatever that that was the cost. Like once you signed Drummond, that was what was going to happen. But I I personally think the Mark versus Trez thing is a conversation. And, and frankly, I think Mark is a better player. I, I think he's a more versatile player. And you know, yes, there maybe are certain matchups that he can't play in that that Trez can, but. I personally think that there, it should be a committee thing where it's like, you know, depending on the night, depending on who's playing better, like Trez has quietly not been playing that well recently. He had a really bad road trip. Uh, aside from even, you know, the ejection, like if, he, he scored over 10 points just once in the entire road trip. And, you know, this is a guy who, if he's not really scoring, he's not really doing much. Like, you know, some nights he's rebounding, some nights he's playing, de- you know, decent defense. But for the most part, like if Trez isn't giving you that offensive punch, he's not providing much else where you know mark doesn't need to do that mark can protect the rim he, he can facilitate he can shoot he can space the floor and especially doing that against second units i think there's a lot of value in that so uh you know i, I guess this is a long way of getting into this but like what where are you at with, with those three from afar and and you know do you think the current setup of andre trez mark is the right one or, or how how would you suss out those three well, I think the most important thing is that when you promise a role to somebody, if they're not performing, it's the playoffs, they're going to lose that spot. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. And these guys get it. And I think that Frank has the, uh, not authority, but the the um, the command to be able to pull that off effectively. I think he has enough control over the locker room that he can he can make the hard choices. Because, hey, that's, that's what's going to happen with this team. This team is very loaded with veteran guys at a position um where you don't need three of these guys like none of these you only really need one of these type of types of players and they have too many of them frankly and i I mean i always got the impression that the promise of starting the drummond was more about you know one of the things that we had in our story was uh that he was basically like one thing he was really looking forward to and it was a big selling point was that he knew he was going to get some time to get to be a, a focal point of the team while LeBron and AD were out. He would get his chance to get a shine early on with the Lakers and establish himself. So I, I don't really, I don't get the, I didn't really get the sense that this was a situation where it's like, he's guaranteed to be our starter for the entire time with the Lakers. It's like, you'll get the start first and then we're going to have LeBron and AD there and we're going to see how it goes. Kind of like the, it's similar to the Deandre Jordan situation in Brooklyn where DeAndre was kind of like foisted upon them by Kyrie and uh, and KD when they got there. 
but Nick Claxton has been outplaying him. Jeff Green has been outplaying him. He's not really, he's certainly not somebody you're going to close with. And I think that's going to be the same situation with the, the LA, with LA. We're like, we know they have to close with AD at the five. They're the best team in the NBA when AD is playing at the five. And we know that they're going to need Gasol because they're going to need a good pick and pop big that has some defensive gravitas. And so those guys, I think I'm pretty comfortable are going to play. I'm pretty comfortable Marcus Hull is going to be the one playing because you're going to need an intelligent defender. And Andre Drummond and Montrezl Harrell have pretty much never been that guy. And so I think it's most likely the rotation is going to come down to who between Harrell and Drummond is playing better because aren't they pretty similar players? I mean, I know there's some differences yeah. in the way that they operate, but they're pretty similar. Well, and, and, and the reason I, I, I say the, the promise thing is because Frank Vogel has said as much, you know, and, and sure. that's that's kind of where I, I was surprised by it because, um, you know, someone asked, I think it was the beginning of the road trip, it might have been after the Sacramento game, um, which at that point was probably Mark's best game of the season. Then he topped himself in, in, in the Toronto game. Um, you know, they're like, Mark is playing so well, like basically, you know, is it going to be a competition once uh, Andre returns? And Frank was like, no, like Andre is our starting center. Um, you know, that was part of our conversation with him when we when we signed him and he's going to be our starting center moving forward and Mark is going to move back to the bench. So I, I feel like Frank made it pretty clear that, you know, I, I think like th- they're going to roll with the drum in starting five. Um, I, but but I'm with you, like I, I'm totally with you, though, where I think it, it should be more of a competition. Um, and I, I, th- I actually like I, I've I've felt that. They basically had two backup centers in Mark and Trez, uh, <laughs> but it was just that Mark was like, if you're going to start one of them, it has to be Mark, right? But I, I, I've you know long liked the idea of Mark being with that second unit, and th- they have this lineup that they go to with LeBron and, and Kuzma and Caruso and, and THT, and they're just fast and, and they get out in transition and they're active defensively and like it, it's just a, a really good second unit group. And usually Trez is the fifth guy in there, but I, I really like the thought of Mark in there and, and just having Kuz and, and Caruso cutting and, and him finding them and just exploiting second unit defenses. Like, I, I feel like it makes a lot of sense. So, um, you know, I think one thing we'll, we'll, that will be interesting is just the, the spacing with, with Drummond and AD because AD has played a lot of his minutes with Mark and, and some minutes at the five. And then he has played some with Trez, but you know, not as high of a percentage as the other two, like combined. So th- it's going to be a new dynamic of like, how, how does Drummond affect the spacing w- w- with AD? But yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I think it's an interesting problem. I mean, ultimately, who knows? Maybe they, they just go back to AD at the five for, for 60% of the minutes. And it's, but but I'm, I'm with you in, in the Drummond versus Trez thing where that, that's why to me, Trez should be honestly the, the odd man out because it's like, I just feel like Drummond does everything Trez does uh, but but better, except for finishing inside, w- which is valuable. But I think it's less valuable when you have LeBron and AD back. Like you know, right now you, you need Trez's scoring. But I, I think you know, come playoff time, like it's it's like Drummond is a better defender than, than Trez. He's a better rebounder, um, and he's a better passer. You know, that, that's one thing he's shown. He can pass out of the post. He, he can find guys. Like um, you, you don't want him posting up. Really, you don't. You're not. You don't feel great about him rolling and finishing, but. Um, and those, you know, those are strengths of Trez's, but I think overall Drummond's just a better player in my opinion. 
Yeah, and, and the thing is, and this is why the Trez acquisition was always a little confusing, is that the Lakers don't run high pick and roll. So Trez, that's that's like that's what Trez needs. Trez was great because he was playing with Lou Will. And it's been I mean, they, they have managed to get Trez a couple you know, pick and roll opportunities a night, but it's just been kind of hard finding the kind of rhythm for him because it just isn't really the right personnel. While on the other hand, like you were saying with Mark, you know, they could still run some of that kind of the modern triangle stuff where they're just giving them the ball in the high post and they're, they're running horns plays or whatever other kind of actions are doing to get Coos or Caruso or THD cutting back door. And he's just flipping it over the top to them. That, that, that can be their offense for a couple minutes a night in like the middle of the second quarter. And that can work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I, it's going to be really interesting. And, and we saw this one thing that I, I think Frank Vogel deserves credit for and also the benefit of the doubt for is we saw this last postseason where he adapted series by series. Uh, you know, he was not afraid to bench JaVale McGee and, and, and not only bench him, but just bench him outright and, and him have him not, you know, collect DNPs. Uh, and and start Dwight Howard and then also reduce Dwight Howard's role and play AD at the five when AD was pretty reluctant to play the five in the regular season. Like Frank Vogel has shown that he is going to make those tough decisions. And for for me, I, I mean, we just we haven't even seen this team fully healthy yet, so it, it's hard to even like envision what a a full lineup looks like, what a full rotation looks like. But I'm just fascinated by. The, the directions he can go because it, it does feel like I think the drum and Mark Trez thing might also just be a situation where it's just like it's it's kind of like uh you're starting off in Pokemon and you get to pick um <laughs> <laughs> do you want Squirtle do you do you want Charizard do you want I know it's not Char is Charmander Charmander and uh Bulb it's not Bulb is it Bulbasaur. I think um, it's Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur okay, is something yeah, sword. You know, you know where I'm going with this, but it's like it's almost like just kind of pick the player. I almost don't know if it makes a difference. Is basically where I'm going with it. Like you could go Drummond, you could go Trez, you could go Mark. They're all kind of like similar levels. They all have different strengths and weaknesses, but they're all gonna like probably help you about the same and hurt you about the same. I think all three can be exploited against really good shooting teams and like a team like Boston. I think they can exploit all three of those centers. And that's maybe where you want to go with AD at the five more. Like really just depends on who the opponent is. But it's interesting to me because that's to me kind of the last thing left in the rotation is how does the center spot shake out and who's playing and who deserves to play? Because those sometimes are two different things. Yeah. And they just need one of those guys to be a war turtle for them. They they just, (laughs) they they just need to be able to not have AD play uh, the five 30 minutes a game. Just save it for those specific lineups where you really need him when you're going up against the opponent's best five and you want to be able to switch across the board or at least just have a great capable defender near the rim um, because that's how you keep AD fresh and active for an entire postseason run, which we know uh, fatigue is going to be a massive part of the postseason. I think this is going to be another example, probably how it was last year, where I think the champion which it is most of the time this way, is basically going to be the healthiest team that is the least fatigued at the end of the day. Because uh, this year, it's just been it's been like the worst health year that we've had in forever for all these teams. So the, the fact that LeBron and AD have been rehabbing this whole time actually might give them a huge advantage because these guys are going to be so fresh getting into the playoffs as long as they're actually healthy at that point. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's well said. And I, I love when... Uh... 
when you bring up a metaphor and you can't finish it, like when I brought up the Pokemon metaphor. <laughs> well, that, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, well, Jared, I, I think that that about wraps it up. Was there anything else from the game that that you felt was noteworthy or? Yeah, when Peyton Pritchard took like a 35 footer, <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> Dude, that's, how, how small is he? He's like five ten. No, I think he's like six one, but he's okay. he's not. He looks tiny out big. there. Yeah, yeah he, he, he's not that big. He's he's become like the team's Caruso, he's a scrappy white guy who is better than everyone expected. And hey, he had I think he had the most rebounds on the Celtics in this game. Uh, no, yeah, Jalen Brown, Jalen at, at nine. Yeah, he 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 looks like a solid future backup point, like you know, like a solid backup point guard, one of those like high end backup quality point guards. Yeah, um, he's a, he's a good one too. He's he's like a like a Jarrett Jack level player, I think he's going to be, he's going to be a key rotation piece for them. So they, they got really lucky there. Um, although I think the, there's a bunch of guys that I had on my board when they were picking that I think are probably going to turn out to be better players in the long run, but he is exactly what they need. Um, but they, I mean, this, this was a, this was a really, uh, a really fun game, honestly. Like I, for, for seven I, minutes, <laughs> for seven minutes, I was cackling at my TV screen for that entire Laker run. Cause it was just, it was just like the, it, you know, the Celtics have had such a rough year. You know, the, I'm sure Lakers fans probably feel like the sky's been falling for most of this year. Uh, imagine if the sky was blood red and fire was raining down from the clouds. That's basically what the Celtic season has been for the most part up until the past couple of weeks where now they've won seven of their last eight and they've jumped all the way up to now they're tied in fourth, which isn't that much of a feat because they're, they're in the Eastern conference. But um, it, it just, it would have been really funny if like all that momentum fell apart because the all, like all their two way players could have managed to close the game. <laughs> to coast, I love I love watching the. I, I forget Giannis. Giannis is boring. Whatever. I love watching his brothers play because those guys are diving for you know to the floor, grabbing offensive rebounds. They're so much fun to watch. To, to continue my metaphors, like Costas always looks like a superhero who like just got his powers and is like figuring them out on the court. <laughs> Cause like there's just there's stu- there's like stuff he does where like it's just you know s- some of it's instinct but some of it's just like I mean he he has almost the same body type as his brother right like he, you know they're very similar obviously you know not similar players but like he's got the length tall, he's got the athleticism guys, yeah. yeah like he he can do certain things so like just some of the stuff you you see like he he looks like like Spider Man testing out his powers for the first time and like uh, it, it's just it's really fun to watch but. Except it's just on repeat where he's continually testing out his powers in, in every stint and, and yeah, not really just, he, you know, fully becoming like, Spider-Man. He keeps trying to see if he can jump across buildings and you're like just waiting for him to like actually stop a crime. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I think we'll get out of there on that. Um, so you, you guys came for a Lakers podcast and instead it became uh, the, the Luke Cornette show uh, <laughs> and, and Pokemon and Spider-Man. Uh, but, but thank you for nerding out with us. Um, Jared, where can people find you on social media? And well, they can read you on the athletics. So I'm not even going to ask you that one. Yeah. You can just find me on the next episode of whatever this podcast's name is the forum club, right? Yes. Yeah. There we go. So find me on the forum club in like six months. Uh, Hey, uh, maybe, uh, Lakers Celtics finals. Oh, if, if that happens, um, uh, I've got, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put, I'm going to put a hundred dollars on that in Vegas right now. So I will be a billionaire if that ends up happening. I, I, I was high on Boston going to the season. I, I will say that. Um, not, not yeah. like finals high, but I, I was higher on them. I, I felt like then 
Like I, I thought they, I, I, I thought they would have been in this mix. Uh, like this would have been a four team. Well, I guess Miami was in there. Like I thought it was gonna be a five team thing with, with just the top of the East of, of all these teams just killing each other and. That's not really how it's played out, but um, yeah. Well, finals yeah. I meant something a little different for me back in college, but uh, <laughs> I do. I, I don't. I don't think the Celtics are going to be making it past the second round unless unless they keep playing like this. Uh, but wait, I mean, they have to get better than where they are now. I, I think the Lakers are pretty confident they're going to get way way better by the time they get to the first round of the playoffs. Hopefully, I guess the, the, I think, the real concern. So. The real concern is, can they get healthy enough in time that they can get through the first round if they end up with a really good matchup? Hopefully, they'll be able to do that. I mean, at least right yeah. now, they're are they lined up with the Nuggets still? Yeah, the the the, 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 Den- the Denver break w- was huge for them. Um, yeah. you know, unfo- like obviously, unfortunately for Denver, but I, I do think that uh, the late like they're either going to stay in the five and, and play Denver, or they're going to leapfrog them. And, and depending on how much Denver falls. They could have Portland or Dallas pop up. And I mean, like those aren't easy matchups. Like, you know, right now the Celtics are in the same spot and they're playing the Hawks. Uh, like, you know, I'd much rather play the Hawks than than Denver or Portland or Dallas. But uh, Portland could beat the Lakers. They, they had the personnel to pull it off. Dallas probably not, but Portland could pull it off. Yeah, I just think I'd rather play one of those two teams than the Clippers, Suns or Jazz. Like, I, it's just it, it's like oh, pick sure. or poison. I mean, those are all just not great matchups, right? So, and especially for the first round. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Lakers could luck out, get the four seed, and, and then play a relatively easier opponent. Like, no one's really easy in the West. But, um, yeah, so, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Yovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, The Athletic, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have not subscribed to The Athletic, you should do so by going to theathletic.com or, more importantly, subscribing off of one of my stories on Twitter makes me look good. Uh, and, and definitely don't subscribe off of one of Jared's stories. Be sure to subscribe off of one of mine. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm going to start tweeting at you about stories <laughs> just so I can get the credit. Or, or do that, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but thank you guys. I will not be podcasting on Saturday night after the jazz game, but I will be back on Monday after that jazz game. So I'll be recapping both of them, but, uh, talk to you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.